0: Hello everybody, I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina.
1: And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch Podcast.
0: On today's program, we have updates on the situation at Grove City College. The Global Leadership Network, formerly known as the Willow Creek Association, is making a comeback. And disgraced megachurch pastor Jack Schaap, convicted of sex crimes more than a decade ago, gets an early release from prison.
1: We begin today with news that a controversial discernment blogger has been charged with the DUI and for carrying a weapon.
0: J.D. Hall is a Montana Baptist pastor who has spent years critiquing pastors and warning of liberal drift within evangelical churches. He is also pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church in Sydney, Montana, and the publisher of the online polemics site Protestia, uh, which is the new name for what used to be the site Pulpit and Pen.
1: He was arrested on May 11th after a traffic stop. According to a copy of the initial offense report, Hall was charged at 11 p.m. with driving under the influence and carrying a concealed weapon while intoxicated. The DUI charge is a first offense, according to the report. A Sydney police officer observed Hall driving in a bike lane and pulled him over.
0: Hall allegedly had slurred speech. He stumbled and had poor balance, according to a copy of the complaint filed against him, which was also posted online. During the stop, police also allegedly found that concealed handgun. The pastor performed poorly on a field sobriety test, according to the police report, But a breathalyzer did not find any evidence of alcohol in his system. Now, the Montana pastor is best known as the writer uh, for the online site Pulpit and Pen, where he has criticized such leading figures as Beth Moore, Russell Moore, SBC President J.D. Greer, Tennessee preacher and Trump supporter Greg Locke, and Elevation pastor Stephen Furtick.
1: Following his arrest, Hall offered to resign as pastor of Fellowship Baptist, according to a statement posted on the church's website Monday, May 16th, for bringing the stain of rumor upon the
0: church. The statement also, though, said that Hall suffers from a vitamin D deficiency, which causes, according to the statement, poor coordination, slurred speech, and word displacement, and said that since no alcohol was involved, the arrest was not ministerially disqualifying. The statement also claimed that Hall was potentially addicted to working, and the church's elders instructed him to take three months off to rest. According to the statement, Hall cannot return to work without his wife's approval, but Hall will remain as the pastor. should also add that the pastor recently filed for bankruptcy, claiming that he could not afford to pay legal fees in a libel lawsuit. A transgender activist has sued Hall for libel, claiming that an article about her damaged her reputation. That according to the Longview News Journal.
1: Our next story is an update on one we first reported back in February.
0: Yeah, five Midland Christian School employees, that's in Midland, Texas, were arrested then and accused by police of failing to report a student's sexual assault. They have been no- billed by a Texas grand jury. That, according to Midland County District Attorney Laura Nodoff, uh, she confirmed that uh, to the Midland Reporter-Telegram, the local paper there. Ministry Watch previously published this story uh, about the arrest of the Midland superintendent, uh, principal, vice principal, athletic director, and the head baseball coach. The school is associated with the Churches of Christ.
1: Under Texas law, a no-bill decision means the grand jury decided not to indict the accused.
0: Yeah, Midland Christian said in a statement that the grand jury's decision aligns with the findings of its own independent investigation. In fact, they issued a statement that said this, Our Independent external investigator concluded the five individuals acted reasonably and appropriately given the facts and circumstances. We are not surprised the grand jury reached the same conclusion. It goes on to say that we are proud of the five members of our Midland Christian School family and grateful these legal proceedings are behind them. They have each handled themselves gracefully in the face of these extremely difficult circumstances while holding firm to their faith.
1: Let's look at one more story before the break. One person is dead and five people were injured Sunday, May 15th, in a shooting inside Geneva Presbyterian Church in the south Orange County city of Laguna Woods.
0: Yeah, the Orange County Sheriff's Department received calls just before 1.30 p.m. Pacific time uh, saying that a shooting was underway at the church. The church is home to at least two congregations, uh, including the Irvine Taiwanese Presbyterian Church, that according to the church's website. About 30 to 40 members of this Taiwanese congregation were in the church building at the time of the shooting. Uh, A sheriff's department spokesman there said that the shooting happened at a lunch banquet that was actually following the morning service.
1: When the shooting began, the congregants fought back
0: Yeah, they did. A group of churchgoers hogtied the man, in fact, that was the word used, hogtied, in the police report, tying his legs with an extension cord, and two handguns were taken from the shooter before deputies arrived. The suspect was an Asian man in his 60s, uh, does not live in the community, and he was not injured. Uh, The motive is still not clear, nor whether the man has any connection to the church. The sheriff's department, though, did praise the churchgoers, saying that they displayed exceptional heroism and bravery in intervening to stop the suspect.
1: Warren, we need to take a break here. When we return, we'll take a look at the Global Leadership Network, former the Will Creek Association, as it attempts to come back from COVID and from the scandals associated with its founder, Bill Hybels. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren
2: Smith. We'll be back after the short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com.
1: Welcome back, I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Our next story is about the Global Leadership Network.
0: Yeah, as part of its influence on churches around the country and even around the world, Willow Creek Community Church in the Chicago area founded the Willow Creek Association now called the Global Leadership Network, to host training and leadership conferences for church leaders. Uh, GLN, the Global Leadership Network, has been impacted by the recent scandals that plagued the Willow Creek Community Church and its founder, Bill Hybels, and its in-person events were severely curtailed by COVID-19.
1: Ministry Watch's Kim Roberts took a closer look. What did she find?
0: Well, its president, Tom DeVries, acknowledged that these crises affected membership and attendance at their Global Leadership Summit, but he says that the impact of COVID-19 was actually greater than the scandals. Uh, He also said that the flagship conference is back on track. It will be held in August in person this year, and GLN experts expect there will be about 315,000 people in attendance. Now, of course, that includes online. Attendance, uh, About two-thirds of them will watch internationally. They also believe that about 11,000 incarcerated persons will be watching this year.
1: I understand that some of the old problems persist.
0: Well, they do. The Global Leadership Network has a C transparency grade on the Ministry Watch database and a donor confidence score of 40, which means give with caution. Um, So we think that the organization still needs to make some further reforms.
1: What are some of the reforms you recommend?
0: Well, the nonprofit doesn't file a Form 990 with the Internal Revenue Service, a practice that Ministry Watch um, advocates for transparency, and it doesn't post its audited financial statements on its website, at least not that we can find. And, of course, being able to find them is an important part of why you post them. Both of these steps are simple and would be a great place to start.
1: Next, we've got more from Grove City College this week.
0: Yeah, and the latest development uh, in Grove City College's critical race theory saga Uh, The Board of Trustees at the Pennsylvania School accepted the report from an ad hoc committee on Friday, May the 13th, that acknowledged instances of CRT advocacy at the school. In accepting the report, the board also agreed to restore the word conservative to the school's mission statement and adopted a list of remedial actions uh, to curb CRT going forward, all the while, though, denying the allegations by some that the school was going woke.
1: Some Grove City stakeholders have condemned the report and authored additional petitions calling for the board to reject it and apologize to Tisby.
0: Yeah, Judge Jamar Tisby, who was a speaker at the uh, one of the chapel services at Grove City, and that's kind of what kicked off this whole controversy. But I should say others celebrated the report, including the original petitioners who said that the report vindicated them, and some professors as well. The conservative Christian college has been at the center of a politicized clash over critical race theory since November. At issue is whether the school promoted CRT and school-sponsored chapels classes, and training sessions.
1: Our next story involves a once prominent megachurch pastor who was sentenced to 12 years in prison for sex crimes. He's now getting an early release.
0: Yeah, the former senior pastor of an Indiana megachurch has been released from prison nine months early after serving about nine years of a sentence for sexually abusing an underage girl. Jack Schapp is the pastor's name. He's 64 years old, previously led the 15,000 member First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. The church has historically been one of the most prominent in the nation in the independent fundamentalist Baptist circles. Uh, he was the pastor there for 11 years. He was granted early release on May the 4th, according to the U.S. Bureau of Prisons. Uh, Schapp was originally convicted in 2013 of taking a 16 year old girl across state lines uh, from Indiana to have sex with her in Illinois and Michigan. He was originally sentenced to 12 years in federal prison.
1: Last year, Shapp asked for an early release so he could care for his elderly parents who lived in Michigan, claiming it was a matter of life or death.
0: Yeah, but the U.S. Attorney's Office denied that request uh, with a federal judge calling Shap's crime grotesque and saying that he continued to pose a threat to others.
1: And we have another story involving a pastor who sexually exploited children.
0: Yeah, a former Tennessee youth pastor and basketball coach pleaded guilty in federal court this week to sexual exploitation of children. Joshua Henley, 32 years old, was indicted last year and charged with four counts of producing child sexual exploitation material, one count of transporting and possessing such materials, one count of transporting a minor interstate to engage in criminal sexual activity, and one count of sending obscene documents to a minor who is under the age of 16.
1: Now, some of these charges were dropped as part of his plea deal.
0: Yeah, the original FBI complaint alleged that Henley had engaged in sexual contact with a minor on multiple occasions at his home and in a hotel room and had inappropriate contact with her via texting and social media. He faced up to 160 years in federal prison if he had been convicted on all of those counts, but under the plea deal, he will be sentenced from just two to 12 years in prison. Uh, and have a maximum fine of $5,000. Now, Hindley had served as a youth pastor at Holiday Church of Christ in Holiday, Tennessee, and as a girls basketball coach at Holiday Elementary School from 2017 to 2021.
1: He previously held similar positions in Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma, and was working as a youth pastor in Indiana until the time of his arrest in June of 2021.
0: That's right. And sentencing will take place, by the way, on August 23rd.
1: And we have yet another update on a previously reported sexual abuse case.
0: Yeah, and I should add, uh, Natasha, that one of the reasons why we have these updates is when we report the story originally, sometimes they are, you know, just that a trial date has been set or in some preliminary thing. So we think it's important to follow up with these stories so that, you know, for example, in the case of the Midland Christian School uh, administrators, they were essentially exonerated of the charges against them. And when that happens, we want to be clear to report that. But uh, unfortunately, in some of these other cases, exoneration is not. The outcome, and that's the case here, uh, in with a Jacksonville pastor who was charged with child sexual battery. He was denied bail on May 17th after a hearing. The judge called him a flight risk and a danger to the community. Now, this pastor's name is Paul Brady Dial. He's 78 years old. He had been the pastor of Jacksonville Assembly of the Body of Christ. He had been arrested back in March and charged with sexual battery. On a child 11 years old or younger, he pleaded not guilty on April 5th, and we had reported on this story earlier. At Dial's bail hearing, the state said the defendants were scared for their safety, and that seems to have been a factor in uh, being in, in the fact that Dial was denied bail. Um, Eight alleged victims, in fact, shared their stories of mental, emotional, and financial abuse of the church. At a press conference back in March, they said that they were subjected to cult-like rules about their appearance and behavior, including being sexually molested as minors, beaten with paddles, courted by men within the church who were twice their age, and isolated from the outside world. Now, Dial could face life in prison if he's convicted of all charges against him.
1: Warren, we're going to take another break when we return our weekly lightning round of ministry news. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host, Warren Smith. More in a moment.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. That's SaveTheStorks.com. Welcome back.
1: I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. We like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What do you have
0: first? Well, a group called Unmasking Fidelity is trying to expose conservative donors to harassment by demanding that the nation's largest grant maker, Fidelity Charitable, uh, a donor advised fund, publicly reveal contributions to 10 key organizations. These organizations include the Family Research Council, Turning Point USA and Alliance Defending Freedom. Now, Unmasking Fidelity, which is, of course, a progressive group, calls these groups white supremacists and fascists. Now, John Stone Street and Shane Morris of the Colson Center called the characterization of these groups as fascist and white supremacists absurd. And by the way, I should add that I agree with John and Shane in this. It's not clear that this new group is going to get traction with Fidelity Charitable, but it's an issue worth watching. And we have a story that updates you on the developments here at the Ministry Watch website.
1: And a new study by the Association of Fundraising Professionals have some disturbing findings.
0: Yeah, the findings include these, that more than three-quarters of fundraisers, 76%, said that they had experienced sexual harassment during their careers. 42% have experienced sexual harassment during the last two years alone, and 23% have experienced sexual coercion during their careers, which was defined for purposes of the study as being asked or pressured by their employers to put themselves in a position where they might be vulnerable to sexual harassment in order to secure gifts for the organization, including the way they dressed, by the way. Uh, The number of Christian ministries in the study were not broken out, and it's likely that the numbers would be somewhat different.
1: Why would they be different?
0: Well, because there are significant differences in responses based on gender, which was broken out in the study, and there are far fewer women in senior leadership and senior fundraising jobs in Christian ministries. So I I guess I'm not sure whether that's exactly a good news or a bad news story, Um, the good news, of course, being that probably less sexual harassment, the bad news being that not many women in senior leadership. So whether you t- however you want to interpret that, it is definitely a part of this story. Um, by the way, this study was a part of a multi-year research project at the Ohio State University, which is titled Speaking Truth to Power in Fundraising, a Toolkit. And it is the final report from the Fundraising Workplace Climate Project.
1: What ministries did Christina Darnell spotlight in her Ministries Making a Difference column this week?
0: Well, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association has deployed a team of crisis-trained chaplains to Rockingham County, North Carolina, which is not very far from where I live, about an hour east after a tornado ripped through that area earlier this month. And with the future of Roe v. Wade teetering and pro-life ministries positioning themselves to support mothers with unplanned pregnancies, Youth for Christ continues its Parent Life Ministry to Expectant and Parenting Teens and Their Children. By the way, I wrote an article about how Christian ministries are stepping up uh, and sort of, you know, doing— fantastic work with women and children all around the country, and we feature uh, Youth for Christ Parent Life Ministry in that article. So I advise, uh, would you know welcome everyone going to our website and just typing in pro-life or Youth for Christ, and that story will pop right up. And finally, Nazarene Missions International has raised enough money among its churches in just three weeks to fill up a van full of release supplies that will be uh, headed towards Ukraine. Nazarene Compassion Ministries has teams on the ground along the Ukrainian border, providing emergency support, such as transportation, shelter, food, and water, and distributing crisis care kits.
1: Do you have any final thoughts before we go?
0: Well, I just uh, want people to know that this program wouldn't exist without support from folks like them. Uh, We take no money from the ministries we cover. We don't charge a subscription or have a paywall. We're 100% donor supported. If you'd like to make a donation to our work, Uh, please go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. And as I've mentioned a couple of times in previous weeks, you can now give via text. If this is your preferred way of giving, just text at ministrywatch to 52014. Again, that's at ministrywatch, and the number is 52014. Do you have anything else? Well, if you have a story that you'd like for us to cover or a ministry that you think needs a closer look, please email us at info at It's a quick, easy, and free way uh, for you to kind of be a part of the journalistic process uh, here at Ministry Watch. And a reminder, rate us on your podcast app. The more ratings we get, the easier it is for other people to find us.
1: The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Gutterd, Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Ann Steich, Kim Roberts, John Stone Street, and Shane Morris, Catherine Post, Alejandra Molina, Calvin Cockrell, Bob Smetana, and Christina Darnell. Special thanks to Breakpoint, The Nonprofit Times, and Christian Chronicle for contributing materials to this week's podcast. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.